0: The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and solely those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests, and do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of the Hartford or its affiliates.
1: You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by the Hartford.
0: Welcome back to the Small Biz Ahead podcast. Gene, you travel a lot for your business. Yes. Really?
2: Yeah. Why? Why? Client projects around the country, and then I speak.
0: I always like to get your travel tips. So before you told us, always bring an extra shirt.
2: I do. I always do pack an extra shirt with me. Um, And I also, um, when we talk about different travel tips, obviously, I never pack uh, or or check-in bags like I always I always carry on. Like when you went to Europe, did you check bags or did you...
0: I did check a bag because I went for two and a half weeks and I'm a woman. So, is that right? Yeah. Mm, okay. So uh, fair enough. We'll
2: go there. Um, I actually uh, never check in bags. Even so, like, if you
0: go on vacation? No,
2: nah, even if I go on vacation, I never check a bag. And does your in. wife check a bag? No, she does not check a bag. She is like so, extremely low maintenance. Yeah. So, so.
0: I t- typically don't check a bag, but when we were going to Europe, we were I was going to Greece where it was 106 degrees. And then I was going to be in Germany and France where the weather was like kind of cold and rainy. Right. So I just needed to bring too many different shoe selections. So my question today is... I know you just got delayed. You were in Austin, coming back to nine hours. So what do you do as a business traveler when you're delayed? I'm
2: gonna tell you. Well, first of all, um, when I'm delayed, um, and this dovetails into a good travel tip. I you had mentioned when you were traveling, you got you had lounge access.
0: Yeah, I have a credit card that gives me access to lounges. I
2: cannot now. I travel on American Airlines. I pay like 400 bucks a year, 500 bucks a year um, for their lounge access. I cannot tell you how worth it it is. It is like I would probably pay twice that amount if they raise the price up. And I'll tell you the reason why, Elizabeth, Um, particularly if you're a business traveler, you are going to you're going to face delays. Uh, You're going to whatever layoffs. I use that lounge as a, as an office all the time. I go into the cubicles, I work away. It's, they're always like a professional environment. They're always yeah. in a good location. I will get to, um, this morning I get to do the podcast today. I come to Hartford for a day. We, we, we you know, we, we do these things and, um, I get to the airport like insanely early, you know, just cause I'm a nut when it comes to yeah. you know doing that. You're but I'll crazy. go to the lounge and I'll sit there in the cubicle and I'll do work. I'd rather do that than sitting at my desk in the office, like worrying if I'm going to get to the airport on time. Um, and in the lounges they give you, you know, they've got like free things to like nosh on and whatever. And then they have up to free wine and beer if you want to do that as well. But, um, I just would say as a business traveler, if you're traveling, you know, I'm going to say more than half a dozen times a year for business, I would cough up the 400, 500 bucks and join, uh, you know, be, yeah. have a lounge membership to your favorite airline. What I airline.
0: like about it is if you're, so if you're in the airport, let's say you have like a three hour layover or something like that. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to get a meal. You know how expensive food in an airport is? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. You want to charge your phone. It's really hard to find a place to, to find a charger. And then your laptop.
2: internet access is spotty depending yeah. on where you are in an airport. Yeah. Whereas when you're in the lounges, um, the internet access has always been really, really yeah. good. So, so I think now I've never used in the lounge. They have s- separate rooms there for like conference room facilities and whatever. I've never explored that or had the need to use that. Um, but I, I was thinking of asking you about it. sometimes if I'm traveling around, I need to do a, a webinar or a conference call or something like that. And I'm thinking like, I think I could use it. I just don't know if they charge extra for it yeah. or not. I got to find out. Um, but I, you know, my biggest pet peeve in the lounges though, and see if you have the same thing Is I sit there in the cubicles and then you got the guys that talk on the phone. And I don't, th- I don't know if I'm right or wrong about this. Cause if you're in the work cubicles, There is That's the spot That For the people doing work And people have to make phone calls So they're talking on the phone And it drives me insane And then I always think to myself I think I'm I'm the one that's being a jerk here. I, I think they're. I think it's okay for them to be on the phone. Have you
0: ever thought about earplugs or something?
2: Well, I put on my earbuds immediately yeah, and just yeah. tune them out, and then that's what sort of solves the answer. But then, even if I have to be on the phone, I'm walking around the whole lounge, so I'm not in one place. Like I have my earbuds on, and I'm talking yeah. on the phone, and I will walk the whole length of the You're lounge. The pacer. Yeah, I'm pacing, but I do it because that way I'm. Not, I feel like I'm not annoying the people around me in the cubicles. Yeah. Um, but I think when I, I, I think I'm wrong about the the uh, the the political incorrectness of using your phone. In the work it just areas, annoys you, just annoys me, it, yeah. and that's one of many things that annoy me. Where I'm completely, right? <laughs> uh, alone should, in it. Yeah, where I'm completely alone. <laughs> like I'm, you know, right?
0: Okay, we'll be right back with our first question. This is another question for Gene directly about the toughest spot he's ever been in with his business.
2: This podcast is brought to you by the Hartford. When the unexpected strikes, the Hartford strikes back for over one million small business customers with property, liability, and workers' compensation insurance. Check out the Hartford Small Business Insurance at the Hartford.com.
0: So we're back, and this question is from Marsha in California. Before we ask this, though, I just want to remind everyone that Gene owns his own business. Yes. It's a small tech company. Yes. And he has 10 employees. Yes. Okay. So this is Marsha's question. Gene, what was the toughest spot you've ever been in as a business owner? I'm talking the world is ending. This thing is going to crumble. Joffrey just beheaded Ned Stark. <laughs> and yeah. how did you persevere,
2: Marsha? So, Marsha, um, I actually did have the spot. I, I really did. It was I started my business in 1994. Um, we were doing fine. We were doing okay. Whatever. In 2009. Um, I, I for for a year or so before that I wasn't really paying that much attention to my financial statements. Like I wasn't really, you, you know, yeah, believe it or not, I was like, you know, I was running around and doing this and doing that. You know, you get into like a a, a routine and you're like, you think everything is okay. yeah. and um, and then I started looking at my numbers in two thousand and nine. And this is remember the the re, this is like recession time. like the things are yeah. slowing down. so i I got the sense that, like, okay, things seem to be slowing down or whatever. And um, I was at a level of cash. That was I was like losing sleep level of cash, oh, no. like oh my God, like I didn't realize that my cash had fallen as low as it was. i'll never forget that, and i it's still to this day, I will always remember that first of all, it was a little bit of luck that I actually just started. Paying attention at that time, but then I was also a little bit of um, a perception of what was going on. Well, did you like have a you know, bookkeeper at I point? did. Oh yeah, I had a bookkeeper and everything. I was getting the reports. I just really wasn't like looking at them for a while. I just I don't know why. And but you know, you, you get that sense that like things were, yeah. and um, I might my, my cash. I'd like and I was like, oh my god, like it was like. And I remember I had a meeting that day with somebody. And I remember literally being in that meeting and not not even concentrating on that meeting because I was like, I just like an hour before that I was looking over and I was like, yeah. how do you even get there? I was a little annoyed that nobody had told me. My bookkeeper was like, why didn't she like, let me know that my, like my cash was going on. What was she going to tell me when I, we had no more cash left. You know what I mean? Like So, you know, but, but you know, in the end it's not her fault in the end, it's my business and it's my fault. And I should have been more, more yeah, recognizing. She's sending
0: you the report. Yeah. Like
2: she's, she's figuring like, I know what I'm must doing. Be, must be reading. Them. Yeah. Apparently okay. she assumed a little too much. I like, actually knew what I was doing. <laughs> so that was like a really like, holy, you know what moment, um, in my business, um, life. And, um, Um, I caught it just in time and I made immediate moves. Um, I actually, um, the next week, I actually terminated two people from my company, two people, which was like 20% of my company. We were like a dozen people at the time. That must have been really difficult. It was. But then I realized they were just really not, I mean, I knew they were not very busy and here I am still carrying them along. And then I went through my general ledger and um, I identified like just a bunch of other silly expenses and, you know, and, and, you know, eliminated them. Did you still have you know, an office? We did not. Didn't even have an office at that point. And then, um, what I did is, and it took a couple of months, but I turned around and we started, I really dug down and reached out to our entire client base and really reengaged in marketing to them and reaching out to them. And, uh, no, no, no job is too small. Sure, Jim, we can use an hour of work here. We can use whatever. Fine. Great. I'll take that hour. That, that yeah. hundred bucks right. means something to me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like whatever it was. And, um, and then it, you know, and then things, you know, slowly but surely turned around and then, and then turned around a lot. And, but it was a, uh, Uh, It was a moment, it was a real low point. And to this day, when I get the reports, my reports that I get, I have a flash report that I get from my bookkeeper uh, once a week of key metrics, including cash. And they go all the way back to like 2008. They're just on, it's just a spreadsheet workbook and she just puts it in there, but I can go back. And sometimes I do, sometimes I will go back to 2009. It was like April of 2009. And I will look at my cash levels back then just to remind me like, Holy mackerel. I remember that, you know, like Jeez, and uh, never want to be back there again. Yeah. So that was, Marcia, that was my, my lowest point. And that's that's what a did. really
0: good question.
2: It was a great question. Like it really was. I don't know that. if if other people, well, you can tell us when you leave your comments uh, and your questions or on review. iTunes or your reviews on iTunes. That's right. But I don't know if, if how many other businesses really reach like a super low point. Um, I can tell you, sir, I, I have recollections of some clients hitting certain low points um in their in within their companies like scary points um and have to do stuff to turn things around
0: in general yeah let's say it's not a cash on hand issue although with a small business it's probably a cash it really is
2: it's like it's usually a cash issue with a business or a sales issue so going
0: through your general ledger and really figuring out like what can i cut out but but your biggest um expense is usually employees.
2: yeah so we, we cut cut down two and then and then and then sales we just we needed to we needed sales and you um I think when you're a successful business owner nothing I'm like so whatever but Honestly, you'll, you'll sell ice to an Eskimo if they'll buy it. You know, you don't care, um, you know, what you're out there doing, you know, a lot of businesses get, you know, well, that's not exactly within our model or that's not, and that's fair enough if things are going well, but if you got to put food on the table, you got to generate cash, you, 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 it should come as no surprise that people will go to great lengths to do certain things, you know? And
0: I also liked your, your recommitment to your current clients. Yeah. Like, you didn't go out like, we got to get new clients. No. You actually went back to your current client yeah.
2: base. Yeah, we did. And and um, people ask me, like, you know, what's the number one way that you can grow sales in your business? Whether you're in a cash crunch or not, what's the number one way? And I've always just found as you go back to your existing clients yeah. first, I mean, you know, there's always something to be said for new clients. We but. actually
0: have an ebook out coming out, um, and I'll link to it in the show notes about that. It's about how your best your best way to drive sales is to go back to your current customers and upsell them and re-engage them. And it has a lot of tips on that. Yep. Well, that was a great question. That was a great. Thank you, Marsha. We'll be right back with Gene's word of brilliance.
1: Did you know that it takes 26 minutes to recover from a minor distraction? If you're looking to become an even more productive business owner, Small Biz Ahead has you covered. Our new ebook, 21 Days to Be a More Productive Small Business Owner will help you set a course to supercharge your workdays and maximize your hours. You'll learn how to find the most productive time of day for certain tasks, which parts of your life you can automate, when to hire a virtual assistant, how to batch work to increase productivity and more. Head over to smallbizahead.com and click the link in the show notes to download your free copy today.
0: We're back with Gene's word of brilliance. Three words,
2: Elizabeth. You're not going to know this, but boy, if you run a restaurant, you're going to want to know this. Have you ever heard of the floating drink trick? No. Oh, let me explain to you what this is, Elizabeth. So if you run a restaurant, um, this comes from a story from a a well-known restaurant, actually in New York City, that's having a problem with its employees. They're engaged in a lawsuit right now, so I'm not going to name any names, but the restaurant is off Broadway and popular tourist spot, Um, they are accusing their employees, um, their employees, a bunch of employees, of stealing almost $400,000 from the restaurant over a few year period of time. One employee they are accusing of stealing about $38,000 from the restaurant. How did they do this, Elizabeth? By using the old floating drink trick. Okay. Here's what the floating drink trick is. You're a waitress at the restaurant, and I'm a waiter at the restaurant, and Ryan is another waiter at the restaurant, and Michael's another waiter at the restaurant. Well, you go and you charge your your customers uh, whatever they have on the bill, and they buy, say, a Coke, right? Okay. Well, they pay. You go back to the point-of-sale system. You pull the Coke out of the check, oh. and you just put it onto my check for my customers. Okay. Hold on for a minute. And then... Because the customer's paid, they overpaid their bill. So what they do is you take the difference and you stick it into your pocket. Me, I've got that drink now, right? And my customer ordered a drink as well. So I do the exact same thing. And then I take that same floating drink and move it on to somebody else's check. But I don't understand that. Somebody else's check.
0: If you're paying credit card, then how do they do that? Well, no, when people
2: go to pay, you have the ability to go in the point of sale system. And if there, if it was an error, you can back it out. Yeah. So you can actually do that on the point of sale system. So the overpayment you know, came and then the adjusted amount is more than what was paid for. So they just, they, they take the difference. So they do that, and they did it so much at this restaurant, this whole group of employees. Nobody ever found the floating drink because they kept on moving back. Imagine this is a New York City restaurant where there are thousands of customers every day were coming in. The numbers racked up, and because it racked up, they were able to pull money, basically— you know, out of the till it was, um, and put it in their own pockets, get credited for that. And they, um, they made a lot of money doing that. So if you're running a restaurant, be very, very careful about the point of sale. It's called the, the floating drink trick. It is a good way for your employees to take advantage of you.
0: Wow. It's crazy. Nuts. All right. We'll be back in a couple days with our next episode.
1: Thanks for joining Elizabeth and Jean for another edition of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. For the latest on small business trends straight from the small business experts, visit the Hartford Small Biz Ahead. We've got articles, how-tos, and videos to help you run your business more efficiently. Check us out at SmallBizAhead.com.